Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Coastal is reaching out from a position of strength. And we're going to talk very specifically this morning about strength in numbers. And I'm going to talk about this a couple of different times, but put in your mind, it's not the largest number of numbers. It's not who has the largest numbers, but it's the right numbers. We're going to talk about having the right people in your life and being the right people in other people's lives. So again, it's not about the largest numbers. It's like, you know, he who dies with the most toys at the end wins. That's not what we're talking about. It's the right, right people. So regardless of where you are in your life journey. And again, we talk about this a lot here at Coastal. We were created for two types of relationships. The first relationship, the foundational relationship, the one that matters the most is what we've already talked about. You are created for a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. The other relationships we're going to talk about are very important, but if you you don't have that foundational relationship, then so many of the others... They just never quite work out. And when you do have that relationship with God, your other relationships can be strengthened. And again, we're going to talk about how to make this happen, how to use some people we know as examples in good ways as we do it. Today, we're going to look at a story in the New Testament about a man who needed people in his life at a very crucial time. Not just any people, not a lot of people, a small number of people, and the exact right people. So let's read. We're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 5 as Jesus heals a paralyzed man. You can look along on the screens. You can even read it out loud with me if you want. That won't bother me at all. I know some people have smart devices or your paper Bibles, however you would like to follow. In verse 17, one day while Jesus was teaching... Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your your sins are forgiven. And we'll talk in a minute about why Jesus chose that specific phrase. So you get the picture. Jesus is in a house. There's evidently a elbow to elbow. It's crowded in the house. You, there's no room to get in. There are religious leaders there. And there's a man that needs Jesus. He needs him badly. So his friends take him up the stairs on the outside of the house, up on the roof, and remove tiles. A little bit about the structure of the houses in that day. A lot of them, the walls were some kind of stone block or some kind of stone much like a lot of Flagler County homes. I don't think they had hurricanes over there, but block is good. The roofs were made of tiles that consisted of a a mud mixture with straw. 
Uh, that's what the roofs were made of. And again, a lot of houses had an outside stairway that led up to the roof. So you get that picture that the friends had this man on a mat. He was paralyzed, so he wasn't doing a lot to help. And they carried him up these stairs on the outside of the house onto the roof. They removed some of these mud and straw tiles. And it wasn't just one or two. Picture the size hole they had to make in the roof. They had to be able to lower a man through it. So can you imagine being in the house and sitting there and something hits you on the head and or on the shoulder? It's like, look up and there's somebody's taking the roof off the house. I mean, there's probably a lot going on in people's minds there. But they lowered the paralyzed man in the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Now, Luke doesn't say specifically how many friends or how many men there were that lowered him down, but the parallel story in the book of Matthew, Matthew specifically says there were four. There were four friends. So there were five men up on the roof, four lowering the one down. If we pick up in verse 25, it says, and immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. I desire to live a life to where every week, every day, I see what God is doing in and through me, in and through you guys around me, to where every day I have an awareness that can say, we have seen amazing things today because of what God is doing. Not circumstance, not coincidence, not luck, things like that, but because of what God is doing in our lives. Did you notice in verse 20, Jesus said, seeing their faith, young man, your sins are forgiven. In the new uh, international version translation in verse 18, Jesus refers to the man as friend. Again, there's different words that are used there. And in other verses or other versions, he says young man. So we, we kind of get the idea that it, it was a younger person. But think about the four people. These were just not casual acquaintances. These were guys of faith. Jesus says, by your faith, he has been healed. Do you have people of faith around you? Just a question for you to think about. Again, verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. Now today, we may not physically take people in front of Jesus. You don't put them on a mat and take them up and take them physically in front of them, in front of him. But how do we take people in front of Jesus now? For the prayer. This, this place, this family is full of prayer warriors. There are people that spend hours and hours and hours. You, you may not see them publicly up here or doing something that you physically, visibly see them. They spend hours and hours each week praying and not just, God, help us have a good day. God, bless us. They may say that, but these are specific prayer warriors. Chances are there was one of those prayer warriors in your life that helped you come to a place of your faith in Christ. I mean, there are, I love to hear young families that are praying for their child's mate. Yeah, Jeff, you guys, I hope you're praying for your daughter's future husbands. Now, 
You know, not just so you can get rid of them, you know, at some point and get some of that energy, but it's so important that we pray for things that are, that are so serious, that are so important. Um, there are people that do this for hours and hours a week. They're not doing it for public recognition. We may not ever see them doing it, but they are doing it so faithfully. So you may ask, what is the correlation between forgiveness of the sin and the physical healing? Well, remember that there were Pharisees and teachers of the religious law that were present when all this was going on. And Jews believed that forgiveness of sin must come before physical healing. That was a, a belief then. So in that culture, Jesus saying that was not as maybe didn't catch them off guard like it may catch us. So not only is it important to have a few people, and we'll talk about why a few is important in a few minutes, but it's important to have the right type of people in our lives. And I think for me, I'm, I'm kind of analytical and I see things, you know, I love spreadsheets and things like that. And I, I think of people in two different categories. There's the people in our lives that don't know Jesus. Pastor Rye calls them pre-saved. I love his attitude about it. Not not saved, not never going to be saved, but pre-saved. You know, that, that speaks something into it. But primarily the people we're going to talk about today are, are believers, people that have a relationship with Christ, people of faith and why that's important for them to be in our lives. People who will tell you the truth. Everybody loves to hear the truth, right? When it's what we want to hear. Not necessarily people that will automatically agree with you. Not someone who will tell you something just because it may be what you want to hear. Have you known people, and don't elbow anybody or look at anybody, but have you known people that advice shop? They have a decision to make. They may or may not know what they're supposed to do, but they'll go to 10 people until they find the one that gives them the answer they want. The other nine may have told them the truth, may have given them better guidance, may have disagreed with them, but they go to they find that one person that gave them the advice they wanted to hear. They follow that advice, and then they say, well, I got somebody's advice. Yeah, but nine to one's not a, a good ratio there. So it's important for people that will tell us the truth, and then people will, that will correct us when we need it. Now, that's a whole nother message, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it this morning. But in your quiet time this week, maybe one of the questions you can ask yourself or maybe ask the people closest to you is how well do you take correction from people that are closest to you? Ouch. You know, they say a good preacher steps on toes every now and then. By the way, I'm preaching to me this morning. If you guys get something out of it, that's a bonus, but um, I'm preaching to me. So in Proverbs 27, 6, I love this verse. It says, the slap of a friend can be trusted to help you, but the kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. You do know your enemies will lie to you, right? Who's our biggest enemy? Satan, the devil. And I don't want to give him too much credit, but he is the prince of the air. He does have the ability to manipulate circumstances 
in our lives. Has he ever lied to you? Has he ever told you that pleasure's worth it? Or that nobody will know? Or God doesn't really know what's best for you? We could go and cover a lot of topics there, but enemy will lie to you. But a slap from a friend, hopefully a verbal slap, um, can be trusted to help you. Charles Spurgeon, who was one of the greatest theologians of all times, he said it like this, hard words, if they be true, are better than soft words, if they be false. Let me read that again. Hard words, if they be true, are better than soft words, if they be false. So let's talk a minute about the type of people you need for these four that would carry you on a mat. These are a, a small group of people in your life. They're the people I call the two o'clock in the morning people. They're the people that if you need them, you can call them at two o'clock in the morning and they're going to answer. That's important. They're going to answer. They're also the people that if they need something at 2 o'clock in the morning, they know they can call you, and you're going to answer. So just think a minute. Do you have people in your life on both sides of that equation like that? Now, I like my rest. I like my sleep. And I know about this much of that much of technology, but I have an iPhone. And on my iPhone at night, I have it set to when I go to bed, go to sleep, it goes in do not disturb mode. And at a certain time in the morning, it'll come off do not disturb mode. So if most people text me or call me during that time, it doesn't alert me. But again, and I'm told Androids are, have a feature like this. I'm not smart enough to use an Android. I have to use iPhones and iPads. But there's a feature in my contacts where I can add people to my favorites. And if I add them to my favorites, depending on how I have it set up, if they text me or they call me, even when it's on do not disturb, the phone will alert you. It will ring or ding or whatever kind of sound you have it set on. Those are the kinds of people I'm talking about are crucial to have around you. I meet on Thursday nights with a couple of guys that are sitting in here now, and I do everything I can to make sure that our Thursday night time is protected. We have life. We have things that come up, but that's blocked off on my calendar, and routine stuff doesn't, doesn't get that way. We've gone through some wonderful times together. We've gone through some times together that I hope we don't have to go through again because, you know, there, there are issues in life. But that's the type of people that, I'm saying that we need to have around us. So again, do you have people in your favorites? And the other side of that, are you on somebody's favorite list? If so, congratulations, you're well on your way. If not, we have some work to do. These are the people that if you call at two in the morning, they'll take some tiles off your roof and they'll come in to help you. They will lower you down. Spend time with these people. Get to know these people because it comes out of relationship. It's not something you know casually. Keep in mind, this will probably not be a large number of people. You know, Jesus was around the crowds a lot. Jesus had 12 disciples, but he had Peter, James, and John. 
that he was, uh, based on what we read in the Bible, very close to. So within your circle of friends, this is probably going to be a smaller circle. Remember, it's not about having the most friends, the most people. It's about having the right friends. So how do we develop these relationships? And one of the big dynamics I want to talk about in this type of relationships are givers and receivers. You know, there are times in life when we're on the receiving things of relationships. We go through hard times. It can be financially, it can be medically, it can be the car broke down, it can be trouble with the kids. I mean, we can go down the list. There are times when we're going through tough times that we need to be on the receiving end of the friendships. There are times when we find ourselves more on the giving end, when the people that are in our closest circle, they're going through some things and we find more of our time being spent helping people. Neither one of those is wrong. We just don't want to live on that extreme all the time. We want to make sure that we're not only available and willing to help, but that we're willing to receive help on our own. You know, one of the things that I find is that people that love to give, people that love to help, find it very difficult to let people serve them. I don't know if you fall in that category or not. And in first service, I will I use this as an example, but I'll, I'll go into just a little more detail here. When I was on our pastoral staff at our church in Virginia, my mentor and senior pastor had briefly mentioned this to me a couple of times because I love to serve. I'm not bragging, I'm not saying that's how God created me. I love to give of myself my time. Candace and I are very blessed when we moved to Florida. We were able to retire vocationally. You do know retirement's a vocational term, not a life term, right? If you retire from life, that's called what Pastor Rod calls retirement or uh, what does he call it? Graduation, when you graduate to heaven. But as long as we're on earth, we don't retire from life. We have, uh, we're breathing, we have a, a purpose that we are to do here. But my senior pastor sat down and had a, I'd call a come to Jesus talk with me. And he said, Joey, I love your heart. You love to serve people, but you won't let anybody serve you. He said, how do you feel when you serve people? Man, it feels good when you serve people. He says, then why are you robbing them of the blessing of serving you? So I see a few heads nodding. I'm not going to call any names, but man, we got some givers here. We got some people that spend their whole life. They want to invest in people, and that's amazing. Let people serve you too. That's, that's so important. In Mark 10.45, we read, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life is a ransom for many. If there was anybody that deserved to only be served, it was Jesus. But we know his economy and his lifestyle kind of turned things up on end, didn't it? He came very countercultural to a lot. So if he came not to be served, but to serve, um, you know that phrase, what would Jesus do? I know it's old, dated or whatever, but Jesus would serve, so... We can follow that example. So as I've mentioned, the Coastal family is so full of people who love to serve others. And I would encourage you just to evaluate where you are on this journey. Don't be hard on yourself. Just evaluate yourself and see where you are and see what progress 
you need to make. And there are so many examples. I'm very fortunate to be able to hear and see a lot of things that goes on with the people in this room. I hear things like when people are sick, they take meals to them. When they need a listening ear, they'll listen and they'll pray for you. Let me step over here and get one of my pet peeves about me. This is not anything to do with y'all. This is me. I used to be guilty of saying, oh, I'll pray for you and never think about it again. I got real convicted of that. So I'm giving you permission that if I tell you I'm going to do something, if I tell you I'm going to pray for you, if I don't take out my phone and type it in, say, Joey, take out your phone and type it in there. Because if not, I can probably pass a polygraph test the next day saying you didn't tell me. You know, I have a way of, uh, I can forget things if I want to. So whether it's I make a record over to whatever, when we say we're going to pray for people, we need to pray for them. And there are so many people that do that. Help moving furniture. A lot of people moved to Florida. A lot of people moved to Palm Coast. I remember Jerry and I moving and Tom and a couple others moving a gentleman. I don't know if all the rain for that month saved up for that day or what. And, you know, sometimes when you move people, you get to pull under a nice overhang and you get, no. And it was upstairs and um, we had webbed feet after that. You know, it was, uh, it was fun. But so many people here have either had folks from Coastal move them physically, their belongings, or have moved others. Rides to medical appointments. Trips to the grocery stores. I mean, we could go on and on and on. There are a lot of things that happen outside of Sunday church that you guys do an amazing job at serving each other. But you know, serving outside of the church is huge in our journey too. And it doesn't have to be part of a Christian ministry outside of the church. So a couple of organizations that I love to use as examples because I've seen them, I've seen them in action. So who has heard of Flagler Strong? If you live beachside, you may be part of it or you may have benefited from it. That's an organization, a community organization that does so many things to help people. Where I saw it in action was a couple of years ago when 17-year-old Caleb, the lifeguard, broke his neck in training. And Flagler Strong, along with others, but Flagler Strong spearheaded so much service to that family. He's doing a lot better. He's walking with two canes, just got accepted to Florida State. Um, some of you may like that. Some of you may not. But hey, he got accepted to a major college, okay? He's walking someone's own. But Flagler Strong served that, commu- that family. I mean, not just like on one day, but stayed in touch with them. We had a member of the Coastal family who lives around 25th, 26th Street South, somewhere down that way. And she had a, has a two-story unit she lives in. She had a lot of damage in the first floor. And we gave her some connections here at the church, people that do contracting and all. And I just called her and I asked her, I said, are you aware of what services are even available to you? I said, we have a list in the office of all kinds of agencies to help. And she said, I may need to look at that. She said, but volunteers from Flagler Strong have already been to my house to make sure I'm okay, 
to gave me a whole list of resources so they, they serve the committee. We have folks in the Coastal family that are members of Flagler Strong. Crisis pregnancy centers, battered women shelters, the American Red Cross, the American Heart Association, the library, the community center, the schools. If you're not aware, there is a, an initiative called Faith for Flagler Schools. And every school in Flagler County is adopted by at least one church. Several of the schools have two churches. Coastal and another church have adopted Old King's Elementary School. They're the only physical church in Flagler Beach, and we've developed a great relationship with the principal there. And we have done a few things to help. We like to teacher and staff appreciation week. We've purchased breakfast and carried 150 staff members, and we've served breakfast. We're going to be doing it again in, in May. We're going to be um, helping to serve them. Rachel Harrington, who helps lead our teens, she's got some really creative teens on her staff. Last year, I talked with her, and they created poster boards that said things like, you matter, welcome back to school, had the Old King's logo, and a number of you in this room, we went out on that hot August morning and stood there with the signs, because if you've never been to Old King's Elementary, the traffic is fun when the school starts. I know Denise and Fred experience it daily and, and love it. The first day of school is even more interesting because the parents get to actually take their kids into class, so there, there are cars lined up everywhere, and there's a lot of stress associated with that. Good morning. We're so glad you're here. We hope you have a great school year holding up these signs. We saw more faces change from stress to smiles. And the principal got a lot of comments about that was just so different. That really helped us. One of the great ways to serve in our schools is to mentor a child. There are a lot of children there that have very stable home lives. Some of them are stable and Christian. Some of them Man, they're, they're strong family units. A lot of the kids in the school don't have a lot of support. They don't have people that can or will help them with their homework or make sure that they have what they need for school. So there are mentoring opportunities in the school. It's usually an hour a week, and it may be it's in the school setting. You're working one-on-one -on -one with the child. You have to go through a background check, which is wonderful. They do the criminal history check, the sex offender registry check, and all of that to screen, but you actually get to impact a child one-on-one. -on -one. There's some just great ways to serve. If you're interested in doing anything like that, let me know. I'll be glad to, to get you in touch with the folks there. So as I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk a little bit about how to, how to get involved in serving at Coastal if you're not already. Now, I'm going to put a little disclaimer on this. If you're already on four teams, we don't want you on eight teams, okay? <laughs> There's enough people, there are enough people here for everybody to use the gifts, talents, and abilities God's given them to where you don't have to be on eight teams. You givers, you servers, you just want to do whatever. And I appreciate the heart, but let's talk about how we can get involved. You know, each week we stand up here, Harlan did it this morning, and we talk about the Connect card. And I know some of you are like, are they going to talk about that Connect card again? 
If that's your attitude, it ain't for you. It's not for you. It's for people who haven't seen it yet. It's for the new people. It's for the folks that haven't filled one out yet. And we do want name and phone number. There's an area on the back for prayer request, but there's a big area on this side that says serve. And if you notice, there are blocks there, and there's the ministry teams that we can get involved in here. You check one of these blocks, a ministry team leader will call you. We have a wonderful program called Shadowing. So let's say it's for working with the media team. And team leader will call you and set up a time when you can shadow. You're not a member of the team yet. You're not joining the team. You come and shadow. You work alongside of somebody on the team. See a little bit about what it's about. You may do that one week. You may do it multiple times. But at the end of that shadowing time, you and the team leader have a conversation. That was great. It's a good fit. How do we get plugged into the team? Or you or the team leader may say, you know, this is not a real good fit. It really helps if you know how to cut on a computer to work with a computer. So let's talk about some of the things you are good at. Let's get you plugged in. So it's not a no, you can't serve. It's like, let's get you plugged in to where you are created to be. So that team leader will help get you connected to another team if that works well for you. Let's look at Romans 12, verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. When parts of the body, the church, um, when there are parts missing or not working, everyone suffers. You know, when Candace and I moved from Virginia to Palm Coast in 2017, we knew Coastal was the church we were going to plug into. Our son had been going here for about eight years. We came once a year when we were uh, in town. Pastors Rod and Val were our son's Florida parents. We knew this is where we were going to plug in. But I knew the people here very casually. Knew there were some few names, knew a little bit about them, but didn't know them real well. Well, that was a season when this building was going through major renovations. And if you were here during that time, you know what some of those renovations were. This place was interesting when the church first bought it. Um, good news is, got a team working. The bathrooms are next. So they're going to be <laughs> renovated soon. But I got connected with Pastor Rye, with Tom, with a few other guys. And I came up here two or three days a week, four or five hours a day. And we worked on the building together. That's where I got to know these guys. And I'm going to tell you, when a guy hits his thumb with a hammer, you really get to know something about that guy. You know, you can tell a lot about him when that happens. And we had ladies that came up here that, that worked too. It wasn't just for the guys. And we'd have teams. And that's how one of the ways we really got to know people. So we're going to be getting back to those right people in your life, a great way to get to know people is to serve with them, like the ministry teams on Sunday mornings. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says, If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. 
One of the analogies that I like to use is a, a military analogy. Uh, think if we were currently involved in a, a physical conflict, a war, let's say Afghanistan, Iraq, anywhere else in the world, and there was a, a platoon of troops, there was a large group of soldiers or uh, military personnel that were serving together. And while they're actively involved in the conflict, one soldier gets isolated over here by himself. Not good. He's a sitting duck. His chances of survival are very slim. We're in a spiritual battle. Again, I don't give the devil too much credit, but we are in a spiritual battle in this world. The Bible is very clear about that. If you try to fight those spiritual battles alone, you're that soldier that's over here by yourself. You're a sitting duck, and the chances of surviving that spiritual battle or getting through that spiritual battle um, the way God intended is greatly minimized. You know, there are so many aspects of the story we read earlier that, that it just it brings it all together. But in that story, who do you think was of the man being lowered through the roof? Who do you think was blessed? Was the paralyzed man blessed? Were the people that lowered him down blessed? What about the bystanders? Remember again what the bystanders or what it says about them? Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Even the ones not being healed, even the ones not involved in any of the process of getting him there to be healed, were blessed. So many times when you serve people, when you bless people, whatever term you want to use, there are people that see that. That's how a lot of people get connected to God's family. They see the love of God's family. They say there's something different about this person. And that's what I believe is a big hope of the modern day church. In our story in Luke, the friends of the paralyzed man knew him well enough to know his needs. In this case, he needed healing. They knew how and where to get the help he needed, and they didn't just talk about it, they did it. So there's three aspects there. And because he was paralyzed, maybe this seems a little obvious, but in a lot of situations, it may not be obvious. The first one is they knew his needs. You don't know people's needs by casually knowing their name or not knowing anything about them. They knew where to get the healing. They knew where to get the help that he needed. But it didn't stop there. And they didn't just pray, even though prayer should encompass all of this. They took action. So they knew his needs. They knew where to get help for his needs. And they took action to help him with his needs. Sometimes in these situations, you are involved in all three stages of that. Sometimes you may be involved in one stage of that. It's not about us. It's about a team of people or getting things done the way God wants things to occur when people have needs. So again, it's about having the right people around us. So I'm going to run through just a few quick things of how do you know if you've got the right people around you? Because it's too late once you're in the crisis. Oh my gosh, I need these friends. Let's turn the clock back six months. Let me get the right people around me. When you're in the battle, you want people that are trained for the battle and you want to know who they are. So some 
some guidance from the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. In verse 13, chapter 13, verse 20, it says, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I'm not going to try to say a whole lot about that. I think we can read it, except if you always find yourself getting in trouble, if you find yourself frequently in places you shouldn't be or doing things you shouldn't be doing, look around you. The influence you have on others and the influence they have on you. And that's a whole, again, no whole sermon in itself. I won't dwell on there too long. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now remember, we're supposed to spend time with people that don't know Jesus yet. That's okay, but it's important to know who's doing the influencing. Are they influencing you or are you influencing them? And then my goal, our goal hopefully is Proverbs 18, 24. It starts out saying, one who has unreliable friends soon come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I hope you want to be the type of friend that sticks closer than a brother or sister and have friends in your life that stick closer than a brother or a sister. Nancy, would you join us up here? Just as we close, I'm going to go back to one of the initial things I said, that foundational relationship. I could assume in a room like this, you know, we all different ages, from different backgrounds, religious, financial, experiential, vocational, that we're all on the same page, but I don't really know that. So I want to give us all an opportunity. If you've never established that relationship with God, that's the, that's the first step. Because if we don't have that foundational relationship with Him, our other relationships will struggle. They will struggle. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never committed your life to Him, there's a lot of different phrases we can use. But basically it's surrendering and saying, God, I don't have it all together. I've done wrong things, and because of that, I don't deserve a relationship with you in heaven for eternity. But Jesus died for me, and I want to accept that gift now. So if you would like to make that commitment, you can pray with your eyes open. You can pray with them closed, however you like to pray. I like to close mine a lot because I'm very easily distracted, but it doesn't really matter. Church family, you know what we do. You don't have to get resaved every day. Once you have that relationship with God, you're good. It's important for me every morning to say, God, today I want to be the best Joey that you created. I want to recommit myself to you and the things that I think the things that I say, and the things that I do. So church family, if you'll pray with us, say, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for knowing my needs. Thank you for creating me. I know I don't always get it right, but I trust you. I thank you for sending Jesus to the cross to die for my sins so that I don't have to. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen.